Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Chain, and Nelly back with you again to finish out Debbie Month. And this time we're going to be talking about Debbie quarterbacks. Uh, what's that Debbie quarterback landscape look like? All of us are playing in a lot of super flex leagues, but it's important to know the names that are coming and maybe some long shot quarterbacks that we, we might like. Um, maybe we'll argue a little bit. Let's be real. We'll probably argue a little bit. Um, and then we're going to go from there. So, um, you know, this is the uh, end to Debbie month. Don't worry. We're still going to be talking about Debbie stuff, um, but we're going to kind of mix in some C2C, some dynasty, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff we're going to mix in. Um, starting next month so get ready for that uh, but Shane how we doing are you excited to uh, talk about some quarterbacks here I, th- I think it'll be good um, and like you said we're, we'll keep talking Debbie this is a Debbie podcast but uh, I think I think quarterbacks are tough I think it's one of the toughest positions in super flex to address via Debbie you can really whiff hard so I think it's going to be interesting to talk value and get into some of these especially 2023 guys who maybe have a shot to go high or might do nothing. And that's something you have to project when you're trading or drafting these Debbie players. And right. Not only is it difficult for us, but it's obviously difficult for the NFL because some teams have to have to do it over and over and over again. Right. Um, It kind of takes the right secret sauce almost. Right. They have to be in the right time in the right system. Right. With the right head coach, that's actually going to help them to succeed. So um, we're just going to dive into it. We're going to start this 2023 quarterbacks because it feels like there could be. Two quarterbacks in the first round, Um, or if you read some mock drafts, there could be 18. So it's going to be tough to know, you know, some of these quarterbacks, but we're going to try to hit on some highlights and kind of go from there. Um, So obviously we have to start at. you know, the second best school in the Big Ten, and that's the Ohio State University. Uh, let's just start there because Coleridge Bernard Stroud, the fourth, I believe is the best quarterback in college football right now. I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think if you're picking number one, number two in a Debbie draft, he's got to be in consideration. He has, he's probably going to come in, you know, a little over 6'2, 215. Once he was fully healthy, was really good. I would put him over Bryce Young right now. I think Bryce Young might be a little bit safer, but I think you have the size of CJ Stroud as the upside um, at Ohio State. He has good weapons. He's going to, they're going to be good. Like, you know, it's going to take a lot for, I think, to knock him down. I don't think this is a DJU kind of situation that can brew here with all the guys they're bringing back. Nelly, is is Stroud your number one quarterback, or are you you on the Bryce Young train? Yeah, it's close, but I would go Stroud over Young. I think the thing that we have with Stroud is he's he's a pretty good size, right? I think he's like 6'3", he's 200-plus pounds. 
he looks like a quarterback. Whereas, and and he's put up phenomenal numbers, right? He's been very efficient. Well, you can say the same for Bryce Young, also very efficient. Obviously, won the Heisman last year. He is maybe five eleven on a good day. Um, so I think hey, he's are, listed at six foot. Uh huh. And I was listed at six foot six. It's it, not everything you see online <laughs> is true. Um, but Wondell um, Robinson was five eleven. Exactly. And he still he's is on the Giants again. website. Yeah, he's, he's back there again. <laughs> he just had a tough day at the combine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- there are going to be some questions, I think, with the size. And also, I think durability will come with the fact that he's small for Bryce Young. But both those guys are are very, very good quarterbacks. I think the expectation for both is that they'll be top five picks next year. I think it's probably worth noting, too, that I think the weapons for Ohio State this past season were exceptionally better than the weapons Alabama had, right? Alabama had Mechie, who got hurt halfway through the season, and Jameson Williams. And what I would call a lackluster running back room, right, for Alabama. I think they were fine, right, because I think Alabama has the best offensive line in college football and will continue to until Nick Saban's no longer there. Uh, But... That makes it a little easier, obviously, with a good offensive line. But Bryce Young did not have the weapons that we wanted him to, right? We wanted some freshman wide receiver to take a step, whether it was Jojo Earl, whether it was Aguie Hall, whether it was Ja'Cory Brooks, right? And none of them ever really did. So it was basically two wide receivers um, and half a tight end in Cameron Latu um, to basically bring them to a national championship, Right. Um, so I, I don't fault Bryce Young for that necessarily, but I think the size is a concern, but though I don't really care about the size much. Um, the size doesn't do anything for me. I think CJ Stroud um, just is a better quarterback. Um, so that's that's just my thought. I think the arm's a little bit stronger. Stroud is a little better, especially outside the hashes. So I'm with you. Um like I said, history says one of these two guys is going to fall and not be a top three quarterback in this draft. I'd rather bet on Stroud being the number one guy than Young, I think. And I, I do think that that is a scary thought, and you're right. But I think we look at it optimistically. We, we look at both these guys are good. So hypothetically, let's say they both work out. I will say I have my reservations in terms of NFL ceiling because – while both these guys are athletic, neither of them like to run the ball very much. Like they both had negative yards last year because they got sacked more than they ran the ball forward. Um, so it's it's not like a, a none of these guys are going to come in and put up like uh, 500 yards rushing in the NFL, or at least I would be very surprised if they did. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be difficult for either of them to put up that big rushing production, but I think we've seen enough out of these guys to to assume that we're going to get some pretty good passing production from them um, with the hope that they just add a little bit on their legs in the NFL. Um, so I think those for me are pretty much the locked and loaded top two guys. Um, though I know Shane will tell us a stat that, you know, the top two quarterbacks coming into the season um, haven't been the top two drafted in some crazy amount of years. Um, but that leaves us with kind of figuring out who's next, right? And I think after you talk about these top two guys, two names instantly come to mind. 
Um, so I'll let you guys talk about whichever one you prefer. But it's Tyler Van Dyke from Miami and Anthony Richardson from Florida. Um, put them in whichever order you want. Those two seem to be the guys that are brought up next. Um, and seeming to be, especially in the 23 class, those are the two names that kind of come up more frequently than anyone else. I think Anthony Richardson probably a hair more than Tyler Van Dyke right now um, in terms of hype. Um, but I don't think we should discount the new offensive system at Miami and how that is actually going to benefit a guy like Tyler Van Dyke, um, especially with lackluster weapons. So I think it's interesting because neither of them have a ton of experience. I think that's the issue that we're kind of running into. It's interesting you say that because Anthony Richardson's getting the fantasy hype. I think Tyler Van Dyke's talked much more about NFL draft circles right. than Richardson is. It's just because you've seen a little bit more of him and everything's been good. The spring game was excellent. He has the size. He's listed 6'4", 224. Um, and, I mean, off-platform throws – Tyler Van Dyke shows that he can do that. Ball placement is there. It's like if he just does what he did last year for a full season, then we're talking about a top 10 pick. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But I think all the tools and the tool set is there for Tyler Van Dyke. And as you said, I think a lot of, especially fantasy guys, see the crystal ball offense as a negative uh, for Van Dyke. But I think watching the spring game, um, it seems like they're going to kind of let him loose. And that's, really what I want to see. Like, I think it's going to be good for him. I think it's going to, yeah, they're, they're, he's not going to pass 50 times a game, but like, that's fine. Right. He doesn't have to do that. And um, I think Van Dyke has big upside. So I have Van Dyke three and Richardson four. So Van Dyke is Justin Herbert. Is that what I, I think he, I mean, he has uh, Justin Herbert as a prospect. I think he has a lot of that same look. You know, and that doesn't mean that he's going to be Justin Herbert in the NFL, right? Like, no one's going to do that. But I think Van Dyke is a natural fit for this system to have some of the re- the, the RPO stuff, to um, rely on the run game, but have some of the big passes down the field. Like, it is a really good fit, more than people think. Yeah, and they're both bigger guys, right? I think Justin Herbert was 6'6", 235. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, 6'4", 224. Um, so, like, they're both bigger guys uh, who are both athletic enough to run the ball, um, which we've noticed. We noticed this last season with Tyler Van Dyke. So, I think, I think it's definitely possible for for good things to happen for Tyler Van Dyke in this offense for sure. We can let Nelly talk about Anthony Richardson. Uh, yeah, position. yeah, I'm itching to talk about Anthony Richardson. Um, I would say that out of the names that we talk about, he's probably actually one of the less likely guys just because he's inexperienced. We haven't seen much from him. But the allure with with Anthony Richardson is the ceiling if we do get a good outcome from him. He's, he's 6'4", 235. I don't think it's crazy to say that he's the most athletic player on the field every single time he steps on the field. Like, this guy is an absurd athlete. Um and and he shows that he can he runs the ball and he does it very well. I think last year he had a game with three carries for like 150 yards. Like he 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 showed like levels of unstoppability last year. I don't know if that's a word, but if it is, it applies to him. Um, and then he also has a, an incredibly strong arm. So for him, it's a matter of building the experience, putting it all together, show that he can not just be a great prospect with tools, but be a good quarterback, make good decisions out there. And, and so the thing with him, right, is like the hit rate is probably pretty low, at least for the 2023 NFL draft. 
um, in terms of him achieving that capital. But if he does, he's going to be like, for me, if he's a top 10 quarterback next year in the NFL draft, he's the first quarterback I would take over, over Stroud and Young because of that fantasy ceiling. 100%. I don't think anyone's going to argue the point that out of pure athleticism, Anthony Richardson knocks all of these guys out of the water, right? You can't teach that size. You can't teach 6'4", 236, that can throw 70 yards and can run a 4'4", right? You you can't teach all of that in one package. Um, but I think the question is, right, is like after these top four guys that kind of are talked about a little bit more, it's kind of who else, right? I think you can kind of pick your favorite out of Hendon Hooker, um, you know, Will Levis. I don't know. You can't name one. all the names. Like I literally have maybe 13 names. Yeah. I, but it's like how many more fit in that next year, right? Grayson McCall, Phil Jerkovich, uh, Jaron Hall, Cameron Ward, Spencer Rattler, Will Rogers, Sam Hartman. Uh, Devin Leary has been getting a lot of buzz. Tanner yeah. Uh, Eden Slovis <laughs> again. Right. So, so I feel like there's a lot of, of players after that, but I guess the question is uh, how many more matter? Like it, it's a good question because most of them don't, most of them will not matter. One or two of them will matter. And that's, that's the, the ball game. Right. So it's like, you know, it's like for me when ranking these players, you know, I like Grayson McCall a lot. I think Grayson McCall is probably going to be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. Is he going to be a first-round pick? He's not. So, But I, I think he has a nice floor. But, like, for, for Debbie, that's not good. <laughs> He's not the guy you want to draft, right? That's not going to help you. I think it you got to swing for the upside of who is that player that has that upside. Like, I think we know Spencer Rattler has that upside. If he performs in the SEC, he could be right back in the first round. I think a guy like Tanner McKee from Stanford, 6'6", 228, his bad games are god-awful. I'm not a big fan. But if there's a guy that takes a step forward, um, McKee's getting a lot more NFL buzz in NFL circles than anywhere in Debbie circles. Sounds um, like a Davis Mills type situation. It could be a Davis Mills type situation. Um, you know, I think it's very possible for like a Tanner McKee. So that, that's where I think the problem comes in. Like, you know, you want to kind of swing for these defenses on a couple of these players instead of, well, Phil Jurgovic's good. You know, maybe you're hoping for Kenny Pickett. Like that's what you're hoping for. It just, I think that's the problem with this next set of quarterbacks. And I think if you really want to swing for the fences in that range, you have to talk about Cameron Ward right out of Washington state, because if you're truly trying to go for the fences and the same reason why you want to go for the fences with Anthony Richardson over maybe someone like Tyler Van Dyke, potentially um, over someone like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud in the future is that rushing ability. And that's something that Cameron Ward has in spades, right? So I, I think if you're looking at, you know, who, who could really take that next step forward. And remember, it's not just trying to get a step forward for the NFL draft. Right. It's also taking a step forward so they gain some value in the season so you're able to trade them. Right. Because it takes one bit of good news to trade someone. Um, we see that on the NFL side every time. Right. It's whichever rookie's being talked about. Let's see if we can trade him for one round higher than what we got him for. Um, so 
Nelly, I guess, is, is Cameron Ward someone that's on your radar? Analytically, is that someone that we should be uh, looking at? And is there any history that we can have of someone kind of making that leap to a D1 school and how that kind of looks like for someone's future? Yeah, so he's absolutely someone who should be on your radar. Um, but part of that is because we don't really have precedent for a prospect like him. Like we don't really have with the new transfer rules where you can transfer and you don't have to sit out a year. We haven't really seen a, a large sample of situations like this. So it's essentially like he's a five-star freshman coming in from high school, playing at a lower competition and doing really well and has the tools. Um, but he hasn't shown it at the highest level in college yet. So the ceiling's really high. The floor is really low. Um, but in Devi, the floor, like whether they end up being average or awful doesn't matter. All that matters is if they hit their ceiling outcome. So, so that's something that's, that's still very much there for Cameron Ward. Um, I feel like we have to talk about Will Levis just a little bit. Um, I know we didn't touch on him too much in, in that last kind of tier. Will Levis seems to me like one of those guys that it's going to be the extreme of extremes, right? Either people absolutely love him. They absolutely hate him. There's no one out there. I feel like that uh, he's, like a solid quarterback, right? And I think most of that, we, we talked about this in the Secret Chopper pod, and we've talked about it a lot in the chat, so make sure you're uh, joining the Discord. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you hit the uh, description and make sure you click on that link to bring you over to Discord and join the, uh, the Discord community. We have over there now over 570 people, which is really neat. Um, so make sure you're getting over there and, and checking that out. Um, but it's because of the offense that Will Levis is in, I feel like, is is why we get either some of these phenomenal plays where he's throwing it deep down the field to Wandale Robinson because no one can cover Wandale Robinson or he's throwing a bubble screen and there's no there's it doesn't feel like there's a lot intermediate in that um, and I feel like that's going to be the biggest detriment to a player like Will Levis especially when now we're going to see him without someone like Wandale Robinson who is the best wide receiver that he's ever been with in in my opinion um well he's been a starting quarterback so you know i think it's going to be difficult for will levis and he's going to have to take a big step forward with a lack in weapons um which is even more difficult to do and i'll make a comp um uh, that old school debbie people will remember but it's another kentucky quarterback and that's andre woodson uh, who was drafted in 2008 in the sixth round who was, I was like in ninth grade <laughs> he was like he was like super hyped up right after the 2006 season like number one overall first round pick like he has the tools he's playing the sec and then he you know he played fine like his last year but like he was this toolsy quarterback that could throw the football really hard and just no you know he just nothing was ever that good he wasn't that athletic like nothing like nfl just didn't like him and everyone thought he was gonna i feel like it's gonna be will levis like everyone's you know, I know he can run, he can throw, he's got this big arm and you watch him. It's just it's like, it's not there. And I, I just, maybe it'll get there, but yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Kane. Like when you have kind of deep pass bubble screen, uh, that offense isn't changing. How can you really evaluate that? He's going to have to be a stud, I think, to really be as high as people are pushing him. Nelly, do you have Levis thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to rise into the first round of the NFL draft. His efficiency numbers are absolutely woeful. And those are one of those things that are pretty, 
pretty predictable for draft capital. But the thing with him is he is pretty athletic. Like he, he has shown glimpse. I think he had a game last year with like a hundred yards and four rushing touchdowns. So like he can become, and this is a dangerous comp to throw around, but a Josh Allen type of prospect where he's not, he's probably not going to be very good, but the ceiling is high because of the athleticism. So, um, yeah, like I won't have any shares of Will Levis, right? But like if he goes in the first round, I will reconsider. I just don't think it'll happen. My my favorite is that he followed up that that game where he had 113 yards rushing, four touchdowns with a 15 rush, negative 11 yard rushing. Game. <laughs> that's like oh, great. Those are the yeah. extremes, baby. <laughs> that's um, extremes. Yeah. Nailed it. I I think you know if we want to each go around and just say one sleeper that we have in the 23 quarterback class. Uh, let's do that. Um, just, we can talk about a few more names here. Um, Shane, you're the NFL draft guy. Who's a sleeper that we need to kind of keep on the radar. Yeah. I, I, I think probably for me, it's probably Jaron Hall, the quarterback for BYU who came in for Zach Wilson last year. Now he's on the smaller side. He's listed six, one, two Oh five. So he's going to be um, another kind of smaller quarterback, but I thought, you know, watching him, um, he, you know, he was efficient. He played pretty well in most of his games, you know, even against Utah early on, I thought he was, he, he threw the ball really well and kind of developed into a, a pretty good role, um, got more comfortable. And he's also a guy that can run a little bit, you know, he's not going to be Trey Lance or anything, but I think he ran, you know, positive, had positive yards in most of his games, ran for a couple touchdowns. So I think Jared Hall's a name to just keep on the radar, We've seen a BYU quarterback go high. It's not out of the question. I think he has some weapons there. He's going to be an interesting name this year. Nelly, how about you? Yeah, I've got another pretty deep one. Uh, I'm going with Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma now. He was at UCF. I've seen very little to no NFL buzz for this, so this might be completely off the beaten path. But he showed high levels of efficiency all three years that he started at UCF, and he started for three years. He's a pretty good athlete. He's put together some some solid rushing numbers, and he's stepping into an Oklahoma offense. He's got some good weapons out there, and it's a, it's a, it's a good uh, quarterback-friendly offensive system. Uh, think about uh, Matt Corral and the offense that he was surrounded with last year at Ole Miss. That's what Dylan Gabriel will be a sur- surrounded with this year, but with better weapons than Matt Corral had. So I, I don't. I think that if he plays well, I mean Oklahoma, they they've put guys into the NFL before, and that was with Lincoln Riley. But um, I I don't think it would be unheard of if he starts sneaking up boards uh, with a good season. Yeah, I think that was someone I was kind of thinking about mentioning, but I'm going to go with the one person that I think has the best chance to replicate the uh, Kenny Pickett career arc, uh, mainly because this person's been in school for what feels like ever, um, with little to no success until um, what we're calling his, I don't know if we're calling this his sophomore or his junior year, I'm not really sure, um, and also plays in the SEC, I think was a little bit, well, maybe better, but at this on the same level as Kenny Pickett, and that's Sam Hartman, right out of Wake Forest. Um, and he was very, very good this past season. Granted, he threw over 500 passing attempts in college football, which is a lot. Um, but he threw for over 4,000 yards, 39 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Um, so he was 
really efficient when he was throwing the football at a passer rating of over 148, which is the best that he's ever had. Um, that's continued to increase. He's been more efficient every single since every single season, and he's going to continue to do that this year. Um, it's not like you're looking at the ACC and you're kind of shuddering in your boots a little bit, wondering like, oh, there's a really good team in there. There's not. Right. Um, so I think that not only helped Kenny Pickett, but I think it's going to help Sam Hartman as well as the, as uh, you know, they're going to win the Atlantic in in the ACC. Shane, you, you raised your eyebrows at that one. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's I, th- I think Sam Hartman definitely can. Uh, I think Wake Forest can like I like the rushing that he has. I thought he played with a lot of heart, uh, but. I think even winning the Atlantic, man, that's uh, – I think it could be a little bold. Who else? I mean, you st- I think you still have Clemson. You still have Florida State, NC States. We didn't talk Devin Leary, but he's pretty good. Uh, oh, is, is uh, Mike Norvell still the coach of Florida State? <laughs> then we're is. safe there. Then we're safe right. there. Uh, how many games DJ you going to start? <laughs> Too many. Four? Yeah. Notice so... how we didn't mention him, by the way. He, yeah, he's he's off the path. You can count a couple L's in those DJU starts. Um, so Wake Forest, I feel like yeah. it's going to be relatively easy for them to win the Atlantic, to be honest with you. I think NC State is the biggest um, difficulty and hurdle for them. Yeah, and they lost a lot, NC State did. so. Yeah, but I, I can definitely see it happening. I think if you're looking for someone that um, – because here's here's realistically, it's not like these quarterbacks kind of come out of nowhere. Um, they kind of start to build at the end of this on the end of the last season, and then continue that momentum through through the season before they get drafted. And I think it's clear that Sam Hartman did that. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, he was really good in their bowl game. Uh, granted, I think there was others always going to be a few accuracy issues, I think, with Sam Hartman. But if you're looking at a guy, he's, and he's thrown for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, um, zero interceptions in their bowl game, I think you're pretty safe. I think, um, obviously, the pit game, the ACC championship game, was a big struggle for him, where he threw for four interceptions. Um, but I think Pitt was just a much better team and had a much better defense than anything Wake Forest could put together. But... Uh, if we're talking about we're talking about not just Devi or not just the twenty three class. We're talking about Devi overall. So we're going to touch on twenty twenty four as well. Um, now, I think this is probably where you're going to get the most disagreement out of all of us, and it's kind of how to rank these top two guys, right? And I think Nelly is going to be dead set in one camp, and I'm probably going to be dead set in the other camp. Um, would be my guess. Um, I'm going for the more toolsy player. I'm going for the guy that no, no doubt has a much better arm than Caleb Williams. He does. Um, Quinn Ewers has every tool in the book. Um, he's also mobile enough. Um, you know, he's not going to be that high rushing upside guy that you're ever going to have in the NFL. Um, but he's mobile enough to make things happen on his feet. He can throw it deep down the field, has a rubber band of an arm, has incredible hair, sick mullet. Um, So I think that's something that we all kind of have to add together. The mullet definitely pushes him over Caleb Williams for me. Yeah, the mullet is something that I didn't consider. Um, But the reason why 
the reason well but here's the thing though i have yet to see the mullet on a college field it might not look good on the field in college that's the issue with with quinn Ewers. he he he's an incredible prospect i'm not going a high school prospect i'm not going to debate that but we haven't seen him play caleb williams we have he he beat out spencer rattler um he he took the job i i wouldn't say spencer rattler lost it rattler was not as good as expected but he wasn't awful if you go back and look at it but williams came in and he earned the job and then he posted like a 95th percentile efficiency season for a freshman quarterback uh passing in college football which is which is very very good and you go and you go and watch some of it and he's still pretty raw so there's room for improvement but he was already very good yeah i'm not like arguing with arguing with you i think it's clear that there's no one else right now that comes close to either caleb williams or quinn ewers for me in this class right i think that there's those two prospects and definitely quinn ewers has to take a hit because he hasn't played right but i'm coming into this as this actually being his freshman year to me um it's just peanuts basically that i kind of get to um you know get him a year earlier on my nfl team um and i think texas has to be good this year. Ooh, be careful. They've been saying that for 10 years. <laughs> be careful. Right. But I think this is the year, right, where they have the culmination of like the best running back in college football. You have great weapons outside. They finally got some really, really good recruits um, on the offensive line, um, which had kind of been fading until they got Sark. Like everything is kind of culminating to adding Quinn Ewers to this team for them to be successful. And I think if they're not, then I think not only do we have to um, rethink what I believe about Quinn Ewers, but rethink um, who Texas football is as a whole. So, I, I mean, I guess Nelly did not like the two handoffs that Quinn Ewers had against Michigan State last year. <laughs> he was on the field. Um, Neither were fumbled. <laughs> very nice. He faked that he was running in the read option well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, personally, I, I I see both sides. I think both of you can end up being right. Like, I have Caleb Williams uh, ahead right now because I've seen him play, because I think he's flashed that NFL upside. I think when you were easily a couple weeks into the season, if he shows everything that he did in high school, I mean, yeah, he's the guy. That's who you want. So I, I don't know if you can go wrong. I think Williams has a much higher floor. Like, I don't think he's going to bottom out. I mean, I said that about DJU, I guess, too. But, you know, I, I, I think it's less likely that Caleb Williams is bottoms out because we've seen him do it. Uh, with, but with I, a coach that has proven to get multiple quarterbacks drafted right so so the system's not going to be a problem the the weapons are there even if usc's defense sucks like the offense will be there and i think texas the same way like i think texas has those weapons everything should line up um for both of these players to be at the top of that 24 class and i think there's a big chasm after those two uh, at the moment but can i pose this hypothetical like I, nothing you're saying is wrong but it comes down to this for me like Let's say Ewers goes one, uh, Williams goes two, 101, 102 in the NFL draft in 2024. Who would you take? And let's say situations are even. Like, let's not factor that. Who would you take first in a rookie draft? Would you take? Would you take Ewers or Williams? Williams has the much higher rushing floor. Uh, 
that's a good question. Um, you know, it'd probably be whichever team I like weapons on more, right? I think, like, unfortunately, that's my answer, but I, I think Quinn Ewers is also a little more athletic than you might want to give him credit for, too. So I probably still lean Quinn Ewers just because of all those tools, um, but it's not far apart, right? It's, it's, it's a horse apiece. I I agree. Oh, you go ahead, Shane. No, I, I was gonna say I think if that situation happened, then I I would go Caleb Williams. Um, you know, at, at that point, right, because of the rushing upside. If I felt like he was on a team that could utilize that, um, but there's all you know. I think there's also a possibility that as a prospect, Quinn Ewers is like heads and tail. Even even if they go one and two, that Ewers is on that. Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck level. And it's like, what? No, you know, I'm taking that guy, right? So I think that could happen too, even if fantasy wise, the rushing, the rushing ability is helpful. Uh, I agree with Kane. I think he was, I'm interested to see if they let him run. Cause I, I think I would like to see that a little bit this year too. And I think your point, I, I agree with the points that you've made. Like, I, I, I can see that happening, but I think the likelihood that, Williams becomes a top two pick is st- is also probably higher than yours at this point, just because we've seen the body of work. So, and, and that's, I don't really, I probably, I don't really watch high school highlights. I don't really, that's not my area of expertise. Right. So like I, I actually legitimately have not seen Quinn Ewers play other than like a highlight video on YouTube. So it's, it's, it takes a lot of projection for me that I'm not comfortable with. Whereas Caleb Williams, we've seen it before. So it just, when I'm balancing risk reward there, it's tough for me to see the reward being that much higher for, for Ewers. Like that's fair. Um, but I just think I'm just going to ride all those tools and hope that, uh, that he succeeds. Um, I, th- I think real quickly, before Shane teaches us a little bit about history, you should, do we want to go sleepers for the 24 class? Because uh, probably should. Um, you know, I think we don't, I don't think we can really include Jackson Dart as a sleeper because he's one of the few on this list that has played. Right? <laughs> on the rest of this list for this class, he's just played. Um, so I, I would kind of exclude him. I um, mean, he's he has a great situation coming up at Ole Miss. Obviously, spring game looked terrible, but we'll move on from that. Um, Shane, outside of those kind of three guys, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Jackson Dart, who's a guy that uh, is really going to rise up ranks this year? Oh, don't, don't pose it like that. So I have a guy who's not going to rise up ranks this year, right. but it is my sleeper. <laughs> Can I do that? Um, sure. Because, look, I think there's one clear name. I think it's Jalen Milrow, the quarterback for Alabama, right? Sure. Because – what you kind of have insulated there, and Nelly's talked about this kind of thing before, is, okay, after this year, Bryce Young's gone. So it's Ty Simpson against Jalen Milrow for the starting job. Honestly, I think Milrow's going to win. If he does, he's the starting quarterback at Alabama. That's worth investing in anyway. If he doesn't, he transfers, and he will start somewhere else and has the tool set to be an NFL quarterback. So I think either way, you kind of win with him, and he's going to increase his value not this year, but in, in the offseason after this year. How about you, Nelly? I'm scrambling. I, I 
it's really hard to come up with a name. Um, I think what we'll end up seeing is rather than it being one of those third-year guys, I think we'll see a couple seniors maybe emerge. Maybe someone like Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Um, maybe Anthony Richardson if he doesn't declare this year. Um, uh, s- something like that. Um, th- just maybe K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas uh, if he stays for another year. We haven't seen – we've seen like four guys start multiple games from that as, as true freshmen last year. So it's really, really tough. We have very little body of work from these guys. Right. I think I'm just going to try and hit some of that ceiling. And I think one person that we're going to see a little bit out of potentially a transfer candidate after he starts for a year or so at SMU is Preston Stone. I think Preston Stone, he is pretty athletic, 6'2", 205. Um, just – a pretty solid quarterback. Um, sure, you can make the argument that in that conference, he's probably never going to be viewed as kind of a top quarterback, but it's definitely someone with the current um, transfer portal rules and the NIL rules and everything. You can see, I could possibly see him transferring um, and going somewhere else where um, he succeeds a little bit more. Um, so that's someone that I would mention, Preston Stone. I like him um, quite a bit, especially on my C2C teams. I like him a lot. Yeah, Another guy that probably not going to see anything this year. Um, behind Tanner Athen Kaliak Manis. I just cut him in a league. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sky you might be <laughs> the gophers. Boom. Who, who else, Shane? You want you want more from me? <laughs> I, th- I thought you said there was another player. Oh no, no, no. I I I, I think that's as good as I'm going to get. Like, it's tough. We haven't seen these guys play. There's a couple more. I don't know who you want. Seth Hennigan from Memphis. He played. It wasn't yeah. good. Want. It's fine. You. Yeah. Garrett Nussmeyer winning the job at LSU, potentially. So, like, it, it, it's a mess. And because of all the transfers and guys going back to school, it, it's it's going to be the worst that I think we've seen for a future quarterback class. Because well, I think none of these guys are going to play. Like, most of them aren't going to play. Yeah, I think we're going to have guys like Evan Prater stay, right? And that could be a spot where he's going to kind of rise up like Desmond Ritter did as well. Right. Um, like but Shane, you want to, yeah. yeah, Shane, you want to teach us something? Yeah, so I, I'm going to give you a little story that's going to sound ridiculous, and then I'll explain why it wasn't ridiculous. So um, in 1976, the United States was in South Korea um, helping to clear um, the demilitarized zone between North Korea and South Korea. And at one point they launched Operation Paul Bunyan, where they wanted to tear down this poplar tree. So they brought in uh, tanks, helicopters, B-52 bombers, uh, special forces, some South Korean Taekwondo experts and soldiers with grenades to cut down this tree. And they got it done. They did it. Um, So that might sound ridiculous that uh, why, why would the United States bring in all this firepower for one tree in the demilitarized zone. And the issue was they were, you know, clearing the, the, this, this kind of forest so they could have a clear view of North Korea and two, two U S officers the week before had gotten stabbed and killed by the North North Korean soldiers. And uh, so at this tree that they never cut down. And so they basically wanted to show North Korea, like you want to come at us, Here's what we're going to have. We're going to show you as we cut down this tree with tanks and B-52 bombers. Like, this is what you're going to get. So one of those flashes of strength during the Cold War to uh, basically bomb the hell out of this one poplar tree that was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Good thing we're not close to Earth Day. Yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> that one would have been extra, extra stinging. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but let's get get into our uh, buys and sells here. Um, Nelly, you want to start first? Yeah, I can start. Um, let's go a little Debbie, or let's go a little tight end action. I'm buying. This is a deep name, Dalton Kincaid, tight end at Utah. Uh, at one point, it was rumored that he was transferring to Bama. It looks like that's not going to happen, but he, he's, uh, he's put up good numbers over some years. He's got perfect size. He's a, a rumored to be pretty athletic. Uh, he played at San Diego before Utah, actually, and he, he, did, a, he did a pretty good job. Um, but, but I'm buying him. I mean, he's dirt cheap, right? Uh, he's probably not in Debbie Leagues, but that's more C2C. Uh, I'm selling Julio Billingsley because I don't think Texas is back, um, but some people think they might be. Um, former Alabama tight end transferred to Texas. I, I just don't think he's going to get the ball enough there. I, I just don't see it happening, and he's probably rostered in Debbie League. See if you can sell him based off of this uh, the hype of transferring to Texas and Texas being back and all of that. Um, I don't know what to do. Uh, here's a spicy one, and we've talked about this a bit, but Michael Meyer is going to be a high draft pick next year, and, and he's very good. He's very productive. I don't think he's going to test very well, and and that's like a pretty big red flag for fantasy ceiling at the next level. So I'm not necessarily running to sell him, right, but I would be okay selling him if the cost is right, if an offer comes in and you're getting a different – different stud at a different position in Debbie. Shane, how about you? So my, my buy is um, Alton McCaskill running back from Houston, who uh, had had a big injury. I believe he tore his ACL, right? This, this, so he's probably not going to play this year, uh, but had a good freshman season was very, very fast uh, track guy who showed some production. And f- from what I've seen in some of these drafts, like he, some Debbie drafts, People just he's off the radar because he tore his ACL. So I think he can be had super cheap if someone drafted him. You're in a deeper Debbie league, um, C2C, whatever. I think he's worth buying. My sell, and I talked about this in uh, the Discord. Uh, so you know, join our Discord. It's pinned Debbie Marketplace Twitter handle. But uh, we were talking trades, and kind of got me thinking. You know, one guy was selling Matthew Stafford. I was like, I think that's a really good idea. Like, I think Matthew Stafford's good. If, if you're competing, use him. He's going to be a good quarterback. But even if he has a top five fantasy best season he's ever had, his value's not going to go up anymore. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers had an MVP season. His value's gone down because he's a year older. I think Stafford's going to be one of those guys. This this might be peak value uh, for him. So if you're not competing or you're middle of the pack, you know, I think Stafford's a guy that you want to cash out on while well, you can. My unknown is actually is a 2024 quarterback that we didn't talk about. And that's Tyler Buckner, quarterback from Notre Dame. Um, like, I th- there's big upside. I mean, he can run. He, he, you know, it's th- his highlights in high school are like phenomenal, but not a consistent player. Did not look good last year when he got into the game. Uh, I mean, he, he was lost. Now you have uh, a new coach who, who was there, you know, Marcus Freeman, who was on the staff before. Tyler Buckner is probably going to start. Um, some people love him. I just don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to buy a Notre Dame quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm torn because I see the upside, but I'm just not sure if he's going to be legit. 
That's fair. I'm this by you know, I have pooped on this player for a bit, mainly because I think the offensive line is is terrible and I think they're there might be worse than they were last year. That's Will Shipley. Now, I think Clemson's offensive line is bad, but if you just look at how Will Shipley kind of finished off the year, um, you know, against South Carolina, he had the 19 carries for under 28 yards. Week before that, Wake Forest, 19 carries, 112 yards. Uh, Florida State, two weeks before that, uh, 25 carries, 128 yards. Um, uh, he's gonna, he's going to get stats, right? He's going to uh, continue to play well for Clemson, um, and I think that's the only shining moment that Clemson really has is Will Shipley. Um, so I think he's going to be leaned on a lot, and I think he's a buy. Um, you could make the argument that. Um, he's a sell now, technically, and right before DJ is no longer the starting quarterback, then you could buy him. Um, because I think the offense will continue to be better uh, with Klubnik, but I think uh, that's that's someone that's a buy for me is Will Shipley. Um, someone that I'm selling, um, you know, right now for me, it's Josh Downs. Um, I think it's difficult to, uh, continue to get the same level of production out of their quarterback. Um, now they're to Drake may instead of I'm um, a much, much better player. Um, so I, I think it's going to be difficult for Josh downs to, uh, to have good stats this season. And I think there's even going to be a question of, should he even enter the draft in 23? Um, so I think that that's something that kind of holds me back a little bit and someone I'm really not sure what to do with. Um, it's the entire Louisville backfield. Like, because there's three guys that are very talented. Who is going to start? I don't know. But we know whoever starts in that offense is going to be around 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. Right? And put up some great stats. So I think that's the unknown for me, and I'm not sure who is going to start in that position i'd really love to know so i can make sure i have them in all my c2c teams for sure um but those are our buy sells and unknown stocks any uh any further notes that we need to uh talk about before we uh move on it was a good good debbie month some good guests and yep. obviously we we'll keep talking debbie but nice nice to focus on that after all the rookie talk so that was that was fun yeah, for sure. Um, well, we just want to let you know we appreciate every single one of you listening. Thank you so much and have a good night.